praise team. Thank you, orchestra. Boy, I'll tell you, that uh, song this morning really touched my heart. That's what I've been praying throughout the week, that, Lord, I need you. And I hope that is your prayer this morning. Just want to give you another update. I preached a few weeks ago. It seems like last week, but a few weeks ago I preached and I uh, mentioned kind of where I was at with my schooling and that. And a lot has happened ever since then. And um, I, some things were in the works and um, just been praying, my wife and I and a few different close to us have just been praying about where God would have us to serve in the days ahead. And um, two weeks ago, I believe it was now, that I accepted a position at Life Matters Worldwide as their Director of Resource Development and um, that they're based out of Grand Rapids, it's formerly Baptist for Life and um, so that's where I'll be starting in August 31. So we will be still here in the Grand Rapids area and that's a big, uh, <laughs> that's a big answer to prayer for us because we didn't necessarily want to leave the state or the area but we found that this is where God has for us and we're excited for that. I'm excited to work under Brother Tom Lothmer and uh, the other staff there at Life Matters Worldwide. So I ask just continue to pray for us as we uh, go about this endeavor and uh, just anxious to see what God is going to do, uh, not only in our lives, but in the ministry there at Life Matters Worldwide. The title of my message this morning is Seven Keys for Having Success in Life. Seven Keys for Having Success for li- in Life. And I'm going to have various passages that I am going to look at this morning, but we'll be starting out at 1 Samuel 16, if you would take your Bibles and turn with me there. First Samuel 16, we'll be looking at, um, starting at verse 6. <clears throat> Success is something I think that everyone here probably desires to have in their life. I know for me, success is something that I would long for. I, I would love to be successful, and I hope that is where you're at this morning as well. But success is measured in so many different ways, isn't it? It's measured by the things that we have. It's measured by the things that we have done in life. It may be, um, maybe you look at somebody and you say, boy, that person, they have, they're very successful. They have a beautiful house and and their family seems to be all in order, and they have two nice cars in the garage, and they have a nice boat in the, in, the, uh, in the garage or whatever, and you think, boy, they're successful in life. But I want to give you seven things that I believe we must carry out to have true success in life. And I promise you this morning that you probably won't hear about these things, these points, these keys in any... Um, uh, secular colleges or universities. You may not even hear about any of these keys in a, a Christian college, but these are what I came up with from God's Word and what I believe it will take for someone to become successful. How can we have success? Our society, as I mentioned, teaches they teach us that if we want to be successful, you have to do this. If you want to be successful in the business world, you should probably go to business schools and get your four-year degree and learn all what it takes to run a business. If you wanted to be a veterinarian, for instance, I think it would probably be a good idea that you go spend the seven years, I think it is, in college and learn about 
veterinarian and what all that job entails. So you're probably going to need a degree if you want to be successful in that type of business or if you chose to be a veterinarian. Many of you know the, the name of Roger Penske. How many are NASCAR fans here? We have, yeah, quite a few. Yeah, up on the balcony we have some. I love, I love to watch NASCAR. Roger Penske owns the most victories of the Indianapolis 500. That's 16 victories. Nobody has won more times than that car owner. And he has brought not only a successful team into the Indy Racing Series, but he's also brought it into the NASCAR Racing Series. And Roger is not only successful on the track, but he's successful off the track. In fact, I was out yesterday working and I saw a Penske truck go by and I thought, huh, Roger Penske. But he, he's involved, he owns many, many different businesses and he's, he's uh, on many prestigious boards of very large companies and his net worth is $1.1 billion dollars. And I think of that man, and I think, boy, he's pretty successful. Now, unfortunately, I don't know Roger Penske, but from what I've read about him, he's, he is a successful man. But many times we look at the outward appearance of somebody. They may have their life in order. They may have that nice house and those cars, and they might have that good position. And we look at them and we say, boy, that's a successful family. But let's look at... Um, what God says success is. Starting at verse um, 6, just to give you an idea of what we have in this passage, Samuel is told by God to go anoint the next king. Saul fell into sin, and he said, it's time for a new king. So, so God tells Samuel, he says, go to Jesse's sons, and out of those sons, I'm going to choose a king. So Jesse gathers up his sons, and Samuel goes and he sees the seven there. And the very first one that he comes to, and we pick that up at verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So what I'm seeing there is the very first one that, that Samuel saw, he thought, man, by his appearance, he looks like he could be the very next king. But let's read on. Verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We have all seen someone who may look successful, but God looks at the heart. He doesn't pay any attention to what they may have, what they may have for, for things in their life or the accomplishments that they've had. And I think of the uh, time that I spent in the prison ministry, and I would have men come to me, and they would say, you know, John, there's no way I will be successful. There's no way I will ever have success in my life because of the things and the choices that I have made. And I always told them, man, I said, you know what? You may spend the rest of your entire life behind the walls of this prison. But if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you are more successful than the multi-bazillionaire outside these walls 
who is lost and dying to go into hell. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what kind of things you have. That's not what measures success. So I want us to look this morning at the seven keys for having success. And I started with an acronym. I took the word success. And the first one is salvation. This, I believe, is the very most important key for us to have success. Are you saved? Has there been a time in your life when you have acknowledged your sin? And not only that, that you've acknowledged that you need a Savior. Each one of us here were born with sin. You were born with sin, I was born with sin, but there comes a point when we have to acknowledge our sin and that we need to acknowledge that we need a Savior. For me, it was as a 10-year-old boy. I was at a revival service in an old small country church and the evangelist gave the message and he spoke and at the end he gave the invitation and I went forward and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart. And I'm so thankful for that evangelist who was there that night. I don't remember him. I wish I did. I wish I knew who he was. But that evangelist was there and I'm so thankful for my parents that they brought me that night to church. I can't imagine. What if they would have decided and said, you know what? We're not going to go tonight. I wouldn't have got saved that night. And I'm so thankful that they took me to church. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is not by being baptized. Salvation is not by tithing. Salvation is not by the good deeds that we do in life, though these are all important. Salvation is by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. We can't earn our salvation by being baptized. We can't earn our salvation by giving to this church or any other Christian organization. We can't earn our salvation by good works. We can't do enough things to earn our salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In order for us to receive salvation, we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Salvation is the very first key to having true success in life. Secondly, undivided love. Undivided love. Listen to this verse, and you can turn if you want to, Matthew 6, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Some translations say that you cannot serve both God and money. Money can be mammon. Mammon is anything that we place in front of God. For instance, if I I love to golf, I haven't been able to golf since I had my shoulder replaced, but I'm getting there. But if I put golf in front of God, if I spend Sunday mornings on the golf course instead of me being in church where I should be, that is mammon. Golf becomes mammon. Mammon is anything that we put before God. Listen to this. Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Deuteronomy 5, 7. You shall have no other gods before me. We have so many things in this life that can steal our attention, don't we? 
The kids, we have electronics. Man, I've never seen so many electronics. But the kids, they're always on their electronics, and they, those things can steal uh, ourselves away from God. It could be social networks. It could be sports. It could be golf. You name it. But we must not have undivided love from God. What kind of things are dividing you this morning? Is there something in your life that you can say, you know, I really struggle with this. I really struggle with, with um, spending the amount of time with God that I should because of you fill in the blank. What kind of things are dividing you from God this morning? Thirdly, <clears throat> excuse me, thirdly, C for constant prayer. How many, how many people would say this morning that I, I love to pray? Anybody? Well, there's a, few, a couple of you. Not many of you. I was hoping there'd be more. But how many would say that I believe in the power of prayer? I believe in the power of prayer. But how many would say, you know what, I believe in the power of prayer, prayer but I struggle to pray? And, yeah, a few of you. I, I struggle to pray. I'll be honest with you, I, I, I do struggle with that. But we have an avenue, constant prayer. We have an avenue that we can pray, that we can speak to Almighty God. Our Creator, the Creator of this universe, we can speak to Him Amen. through our prayer, through our constant prayer. We have the opportunity to pray for many, many different things. It could be a lost loved one that you're, you're just been praying for for many years that they would come to know the Savior. It could be for a job opportunity that, that maybe you would just, you're just hoping that and, and praying that God would just answer that prayer and give you direction. It could be about a sickness. Maybe you've, somebody you know or yourself, you've developed a sickness and, and um, you pray about that. We are to be in constant prayer for those things. Are we praying for those who ask us to pray for them? I know many times people will come to me and they'll say, John, would you just pray about this situation that I have? Or they may come to you and they may say, you know what, would you pray about this situation or this decision that I have to make? If I tell them that I'm going to pray or if you tell them that you're going to pray, do we do it? Are we in constant prayer? 1 Thessalonians 5.17, a very familiar passage. Pray without ceasing. We are to pray in all circumstances. We are to pray not just in emergencies. So many times we pray, you know, our prayer life, we just may not be praying like we should, and then all of a sudden something takes place. Boy, the car breaks down. Oh, Lord, oh, work this all out. We pray. But we're to be in constant prayer at all times. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Are we in constant prayer this morning? We have faithful prayer warriors in this church. I just love it. I just, I love to know that our church has faithful prayer warriors. They pray for each one of you. They pray for me. They prayed for the service this morning that the Holy Spirit would just rain down on this place. They believe in the power of prayer. They believe in it. 
And I'm sure we have all seen God do some wonderful things from the power of prayer. But are we praying constantly? This quote, I ran across this quote earlier in the week. Listen to this. It says, the only prayer that goes unanswered is the prayer not prayed. Wow, you think of that. The only prayer that goes unanswered is the prayer not prayed. That is so true. That is so true. But we must be in constant prayer in order to have true success in life. Not what the world calls success, but what true success really is. Fourthly, the other C, commitment. I could probably spend a whole week on just on commitment, on C. This was, this was a big one. It seems like there is no commitment anymore. This world just does not have any commitment. Men and women are no longer committed to their marriages. They get some rough waters in their lives and they just, you know what? Just walk away. 50% divorce rate. You know, it used to be outside the walls of church, but sadly, it's within the church as well. 50% of all marriages are going to end up in a divorce the jobs that people have, boy, they were really excited when they got that job. They, they were excited when they got that promotion. And then they begin to work in that job, and it just don't seem as good as it was when I got that job. And they leave that job. They walk away. They're not committed to just stick it out and, 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 and work through it. Lack of commitment is everywhere. Sadly, we lack commitment in churches as well. We lack commitment in churches. I talk to different pastors, and I love, and that's one of the things I'm anxious to, uh, about this new position, because I'm going to be, I'm going to be going out and meeting with different pastors, calling on them, encouraging them. But I ask many times, just what kind of things are you struggling with in your church today? What do they say? Commitment. We can't get people to be committed. We can't get workers to be committed. Many people have heard it said that 20% of, in a church, 20% of the workers do 80% of the work. Wow, that's a terrible, terrible statistic. But we can be more committed to things like recreational activities or things that don't really make an eternal impact. But yet when we have an opportunity to serve in church or do something for the Lord... That changes the eternal destiny of a person. We can't find people who are committed or willing to do it. Are we committed? Are we committed to the Lord's service? Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We are to be committed to the things that build the kingdom. The things that we do outside of that, they're going to just, they're going to go away. We're to be committed to the things that build a kingdom. You might say, you know, I'm committed. But are you committed to the right things? Are you committed to serving in this church? Are you committed to tithing to this church? Are you, are you um, serving in an area that needs ministry workers? Could you imagine what churches could do today 
if everyone was committed? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Could you imagine if that was full, swapped? Wow, we would see great things happen for the cause of Christ. When we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, we will be committed to him. We will be committed to him. When we are committed to him, everything that we do will honor and glorify him, and we're going to see some great things take place. Commitment is a key to true success. Fifthly, E for evangelism. I know last three weeks ago or whenever it was I was here last, I brought the message of the Great Commission. Evangelism is a major key to have success in our lives. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to share the gospel. We are to share the good news of Jesus Christ with whoever we run into. That's our co-workers. That's our family. That's the person at the at the grocery store who we're talking to whether it's saying something to them or just slipping them a track how many times do we go into a restaurant and we carry a track and we put that track down so that waiter or waitress can see it we're to evangelize to reach the world how is your witness today are you desiring to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior Are you desiring to see your family come to know Christ? We are all to be soul winners. We are to go and to make disciples. That's a command. Sixthly, we have sacrifice. Following Jesus requires such a huge sacrifice, doesn't it? Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We must be willing to go. We must be willing to do whatever Jesus wants us to do. And this could cause us to lose relationships. This could cause us to lose the dreams that we once had. Maybe it was a career. Man, you're thinking, I'm just going to go in this career and I'm going to earn all this money. I'm going to do all this stuff. But if God wants us to do something different, we must sacrifice what he wants us to do. The sacrifice that we make will never compare to the sacrifice that he made for us, will it? He sacrificed so much. Philippians 2.5 2, verse 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of on the cross. We must humble ourselves. We must surrender. 
song mentions surrender. I surrender it all to you. What are you willing to surrender for our Savior this morning? He gave up so much. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was mocked. Had a crown of thorns placed on his head. His nails driven into his hands and then hung on the cross. For you and for me. He sacrificed so much. But what are we willing to sacrifice in return to him? The last one is S. And that's salvation. This message, it started with S and it finishes with S. If we are to be successful in life, we must be saved. Mark 8.36 says, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We can work to accumulate everything we want. The more hours we work, the more money we make. We can buy things that make us happy, temporarily make us happy. But what's it profit us? One day, when Jesus returns, or if you die before he comes, all that stuff is going to be passed away. All of it's going to be passed away. So what does that gain us? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you received salvation? Have you received the key to this true success? If not, you can do it today. It's very simple. We must admit that we are a sinner. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us were born a sinner. Every one of us. We must believe in Jesus Christ as God's Son to receive that gift of salvation. One of my favorite verses and probably the most familiar verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And thirdly, we must confess our sins. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you received salvation? Has there been a time in your life when you've acknowledged your sinful state and you've acknowledged that you need a Savior? My friend, don't leave here today if you have not made that decision. Christians, some of you might say today, you know what, I have... I have been saved, but some of these areas that you mentioned, I may be weak in. It may be undivided love. Something may be dividing you this morning between you and God. My friend, this morning, you need to get rid of it. You need to get rid of it. It may be constant prayer. I struggle with constant prayer. My friend, we need to start praying. Allow God to do some great things in our life through prayer. Speak to our almighty creator. In constant prayer. And what about commitment? That is a big one. Are you committed to this church? Are you involved with this church? I know many times we don't like to, well, I don't really want to get involved. I just want to come and just sit and listen. But my friend, we can't be bystanders. People are lost and dying and going to hell. 
I think of Monday Night Basketball, and I'll hit on that is, is because I'm involved with that ministry. We have young men who come in on Monday nights. They live in our area. I would love to see young men just help out with that ministry. What an opportunity to be committed to that. What a great opportunity just to pour our lives into those young men. They don't have it at home. But could we, could, could we be committed to something like that? I hope that you would say, yeah, I, I would like to do that. If you would, see me. I'll, I'll take you. But what about evangelism? How are we evangelism? Are we witnessing to those around us? Are we sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us? I just want every head bowed. And every